Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Thread. A little bit of a hiatus. This is our first show of the week, post-perm. Still dressed in my perm costume. We'll get to that in just a second. But welcome to the Daily Thread. So yeah, perm was 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 an amazing day. Um, I'll tell you that I left. I, I went to Suda by Nissan and the Five Towns. You were there, of course. Right. And I left the Suda around 715 Okay. And I didn't, I didn't get home until two a.m. Okay. And the trip was only was only supposed to be, uh, an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay. But when I was right before exit nine, getting onto the Tappan Zee Bridge, mm-hmm. my tire, my tire showed that it was at zero psi. So I I pulled over, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I looked at the tire. It didn't look so. Te- it didn't look terribly flat. But I happened to, I pulled over in a gas station. I got got to a good spot right next to an air machine. So I, I pull up to it. I'm looking at the tire. I definitely am not going to make it. It was another 15, uh, 15 to 20 miles to get home. I, I definitely wasn't going to make it um, on that tire. But I, you know, I was calling. I call Javerim. And I, obviously, I don't I don't blame Javerim that they weren't able to get someone out there. It was Purim. And they're probably dealing with more pressing issues. I called Interstate Javerim. You know, long story short, all in all, nobody was really available. I did have somebody offer to come out and help me, Yaakov Landau, uh, who's a, a great guy. I think you know him as well. Where does he? Where um, does he live? He lives out there too, Muncie. He he lives in Muncie. Oh, yeah? um, he does, but he, so he offered to get a ride to where I was and help me with with a tire. But at that point, I was already speaking to uh, a different. Um, you know, to a different. I think co- your, I think your sister Jeannie also offered to come out and get you, and take you home. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I called Eliezer. A lot. All in all, everyone was a little bit Inib- too Inib- drunk. They were inebriated. Yeah, everyone was, in, and, and it was like the perfect storm <laughs> to have a flat tire. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Javerim is like, if you call on any other day, we would have this covered in a second. Right. But like, you're calling on on Purim. You can't call a, you so, can't call a Jewish uh, uh, AAA. You have to call the trail AAA. No, so like uh, you talking to the gas station guy, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. So, anyways, this is kind of I thought I was doing something pretty cool here. It didn't work, but I went to the tire and I started filling it up with air, and I saw there was a small little hole in which the air was coming out of. Okay, I said, okay, I I just gotta plug that hole, and then I'll be able to just make go on my way and then fix the tire a different time. Okay, so how am I filling? How am I filling the hole? You got to get creative. So I see some, yep, so I start chewing gum, mm-hmm. a couple pieces of chewing gum. I plug the hole, I fill up the tire, and I say, let's go. And I jump into the car. <laughs> I start driving. I maybe made it another three or four miles mm-hmm. before the car started, you know, shaking. And I pulled over I pulled over to the side, but this time it was even worse because I was on the side of the highway, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, cars were really racing by. It was really scary. And then, you know, at that point... A police officer came as well, mm-hmm. and a tow a tow truck a tow truck came. They put us on the back of the tow truck in the car. They towed us off of the highway into a parking lot, and there we were. Uh, my my mother in law came and she picked up Rosie, uh, my daughter, and she put her put her to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then there I was with my wife on Purim night in this parking lot, waiting for a company to come change our tire. So. Yeah, so that took a while, and then they told us that they don't have anybody to come change our tire, and then ultimately at 1 a.m., 
a tow truck a tow truck a tow truck came and drove us they put us in the front of the tow truck and put the the car in the back of the tow truck and drove us all the way home and it was really a 20 minute drive but because it was on a tow truck and because it was considered that a commercial vehicle they needed to take the long way because they can't go down small roads. So it took us around an hour. An hour? Wow. <laughs> and we, it took like 40 minutes. It was crazy. Okay. We got home at 2 a.m. So you, so and that's why I'm still in my costume. I haven't even changed since I got so home. So they, they unloaded the car into your driveway? Is that what they did? So they unloaded the car into my driveway, and then my and the dealership actually sent someone this morning and changed the tire and fixed the tire. So they gave you, they gave so, you a new uh, tire? Well, I bought a new tire. <laughs> they didn't give me anything. But, yeah, how, I how, how long did you have the car? A few weeks. No, I had the car a few months. I mean, I must have hit. A, I must have ran over a nail or something. Yeah. But anyways, let, let's get to the. You know, that's sort of how my night went. Perm was amazing. For all of you who who don't know, somebody dressed up as myself and Momo Bowen for Perm. So that that was interesting. I saw that. Yes. Uh, Momo Friedman and Dovi Arem, I think his name is. They both dressed up as meaningful people. Meaningful People podcast, and I didn't know about it until everyone else found out about it. I started getting pictures. We'll put a picture on the screen. I started getting pictures, uh, you know, right when Perm began, and it was pretty crazy. You mean the guy's name is Momo, too? Yeah, can you imagine? His name is actually Momo. Oh, so there's two Momos in the world. I can't imagine there's more than two. Yeah, there's. I think there's more. Than, I think I think I know another one also. Um, but you, you again, didn't dress up for Perm. I'm, I'm wondering what's up with that. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I guess I'm guilty. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, I think I used to dress up like cowboy, like an Indian, that kind of thing. But you know, um, it's, I, I mean, last, uh, last perm, we had a big uh, party. If you remember, uh, perm night, uh, I dressed up, you know, uh, I wore a kapata and, uh, and, uh, and a up hat. You know, I don't. Know if, I don't know why the kapata is a costume. To be honest, I think the cup, the kapata could be here to stay. But whatever. <laughs> I think your, I, I think your kapata uh, is a costume too. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're waiting for. But I think your kapata might be a costume. No, it's not. Oh yeah, I, I don't think so. I kind of wear it every Friday night. All right, and Shabbos too. Don't you wear Shabbos? I do. I do Shabbos. So I do Shabbos you, you as don't, well. You don't have to worry about buying suits for Yanta for anything like that anymore. Or suit pants. It's very yeah. Well, all like, all you, know, you need you is a pair of black pants and a white shirt, then you're ready to go. hundred percent. You know, it's it's. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Anyone who's in the kapata, kapata, uh, or, or you know, or border like, or bekasha, yeah. You know, although bekasha is like very long and it can get probably very hot and it's heavy. Bekashas are heavy. I think a kapata is lighter. Um, Listen, I recommend it. If you if you could pull it off, then go for it. it you'll save money in the long run on suits and everything. And also, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 many, a few years ago, I heard Rabbi Shlomo Riskin from uh, Efrat and Eretz Yisrael speak at a shul here in New York. And uh, he wears a he wears a kapata, uh, not a kapata. He wears a bekasha on Shabbos. Now he's uh, he, okay. he 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 probably is the highest uh, representative of modern orthodoxy in the in the world today. Probably a senior member, okay. senior member of modern orthodoxy, and he explained why he wears a bekasha on Shabbos. He said that uh, every single day he wears a suit and tie. He needed uh, something that was special for Shabbos, so he put on. That's true. He put, so you know, people that wear suit and ties, I understand they they want to. They don't want to just put a suit and tie on, on on Friday night or Shabbos morning. They do that every day. It's not. It's not it's not the covered Shabbos, so they put on a special uh, a special jacket, a special reckle. 
as they as they call yeah. it, a langarekel. So that adds something to the to the Shabbos. So I mean, it was a beautiful idea. Yeah. So back to the costume conversation. There are a couple of really unique costumes out there on the yes, street. Yes, there were. And I'm, everyone got pictures. Everyone got pictures around of of different costumes. Um, the one that I think may have gone the most viral is the guy who wore a sweatshirt and it had on the back uh, scan for my daughter's shidduch resume with a QR code. So I thought that was that was unique. Um, okay, I saw that. Yeah, I, ca- I, I scanned the code. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I think it was... It probably has I mean, like, if you're going to do it, make a... Doesn't have a daughter. Make a real probably. QR code. He may not have. He may not have a daughter. It's very possible. May only have boys. I know. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, what else? I what 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 costume did you see that you were like, oh, that's really good. That's a funny one. Well, I I mean, a lot of people saw the one uh, uh, from um, Eretz Yisrael where the uh, the guy was like a walking uh, um, portable bathroom. Did you see that one? Yeah. Uh, listen, the the create the creative ones always come out of Rachel Stroll. Really, really creative. I had one I saw yesterday uh, of like uh, six guys dressed like huge dinosaurs getting on a bus in Israel, and it would, they, they were, the costumes were so big and blown up by air. By the time the last of the six guys got on the bus, the first guy went out the back exit, so the bus hadn't had a chance to even close the front doors, and all six of them went to leave. So that's a crazy. That was a pretty you funny know, scene. I dressed up as a doctor, so I'm wearing my costume now. Um, just look how the shoe shop her. And I, I stopped by Dunkin' Donuts with my wife to get, she wanted to get a coffee, and she walked in to Dunkin' Donuts. This is in the Five Towns, and there's a fireman online. No people dressed up. And the guy in Dunkin' Donuts goes, uh, My wife orders like a decaf coffee, and, and the guy behind the counter goes, Wow, I've never seen a doctor order a decaf coffee before. Uh, which hospital mm-hmm. do you work in? <laughs> my wife's like, oh yeah, the the one right over here. Like, uh, come on, man. You know, you're in the five towns. There's like a fireman, there's a choo-choo train, and there's like a police officer all online dressed up. Like, I don't know, maybe the doctor costume is a little too a little too real, a little too believable. Did the the tow truck driver think you guys were doctors? You know what? I looked at Chana as we were getting to the tow truck. I said, if he asks us about our costume. We're just going to talk about our medical career. Yeah, I went to Yale. <laughs> you went to Harvard. We're both doctors in Columbia, and this this is what we're going with right now. You know, like, you know, one year I was driving on on Perm night uh, on the night of Thomas Esther, the night night before Perm day, and it was around one two a.m. This is when I was single. I was like seventeen, eighteen, probably, maybe even older, maybe nineteen, and I was with Nissen also, and we were driving a few people home uh, to Bayswater. They needed a ride, so we're like, fine. We drove them home to Bayswater, and on our way, I just I'm driving, and I see a car flipped over in the middle of the street. It's literally on the top. It's a little smoke coming out of it. This car just flipped over. So I was dressed up as like a, a Russian Hasidish guy. I had like one of those furry hats with a with a vest and a mustache and everything. So I get out of the car. I run over. Someone else also runs over. We break open the window. And we pull this lady out of the car. The first concern right away is, oh my gosh, for sure someone drunk driving a perm. Honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't someone Jewish. It was a lady who was drunk, and she, I think she was on drugs, happens to be. She she hit she hit the curb, a pole, and she flipped over her car. We pulled her out of the car. She was fine. Um, but all of a sudden, I had four or five drunk people in my car, and the entire Nassau County Police Department is about to show up. And there I am, 
ambulances, fire trucks, police, all there. And who's the first responder? You. Who's there? I'm there yeah. with my Russian fur hat. And they're looking at me. They're like, what is this? Like, where? what are you? I'm like, I'm just going to leave. And I left. But like, it's always, always when, when you step out of your community, like let's say you're traveling across a highway and you get out of your car to fill up your gas and you're dressed up like Vladimir Putin. Like, it's it's really a interesting situation right. for 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 a guy and for Gentiles to see, you know? Um, absolutely. But listen, uh, it's not a, I'm not drawing a parallel between, uh, it's, uh, between Halloween and Purim. But uh, they have a day, uh, the non-Jews, when they dress up uh, very seriously in uh, scary costumes outside of their usual characters. So it's not like they've never seen it. You know, they just think that you guys yeah. are... Uh, I don't know if they don't, if they don't have any uh, information or education about it, things of a Jewish nature, then they just think that uh, it's the Jewish Halloween. That's all. Yeah, I guess I think, but a lot of people don't know. Uh, something else that happened last night at our Suda, uh, we had the Suda in Cedarhurst by my brother Nissen's house. Nissen Shana, Nissen and Shana. Yeah, and his neighbor had come over. Oh, Joel Michelle, Joel Michelle, two, Joe, Joe Were they? and Michelle, two very nice people. Nissen, did, did Nissen invite them? Yeah, he invited them. You invited them to come to the suit. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Very nice. Anyways, Joel and Michelle are there, and they're, you know, chatting it up with everybody. Joel must be in his 60s. You know, he must be up there in his 60s. Uh, they, they're they residents of Cedars for a long time. He wasn't wearing a yarmulke, but he was Jewish. And I'm looking at Yochanan. I'm looking at Nissen. I'm like, is anybody here going to ask if he put on tefillin today? I mean, I I learned from Yossi Farrow. <laughs> I got to know. You see a yid, you got you to gotta ask if he puts on tefillin. And I know you said, you said, no, it's too late. And Yochanan said, no, if you're putting on tefillin on somebody, they don't have to make a bracha, but it's not too late. They put on tefillin, even, even if it's late at night. So I went over to Joel. I said, hey, Joel, do you want to put on tefillin? Yeah, for, at, for, he at first like, he was reluctant to do it. You know, he, he was trying to, I was standing right there. He was trying to get rid of you, actually, at first. I know, but I, I didn't push too much. I said, hey, listen, it's up to you. It'll take three minutes. He said, three minutes? I said, three minutes, that's it. He said, okay, I ran to my car. I got my tefillin. Brought it in, and uh, we wrapped fill in on Joel. I, I guess I should show the video. Why yeah, not? Right? You have time to edit it in. Yeah, please should show it. So yeah, I put the fill in on Joel, and it happens to be this is Joel's first time wearing fill in since his bar mitzvah, since he was thirteen years old. So we're talking about 55, yeah. probably 55 years yeah, ago. for sure. For sure. Wow. Yeah, it's really something. Now, he lives out here in the five towns for the last 53 years. Uh, no, uh, 43 years. They said he's living here 43 years. And nobody else, nobody else thought to put filling on this They're guy? They're waiting for Nachi Gordon to come along and to uh, and it was, put It was my him. first time. It was my first, what's it called? Mitzafim? Mitzah. Mitzahim. Mitzah. It's my first one. Uh, and, uh, you you did, did it before? I thought, no, I guess not. Uh, but uh, once, now, right. now, next time you hear, you have to go knock on his door and tell him, I'm back. I'm back. It's time to put on uh, film. Yeah. He was saying that, yeah, he has a pair of film somewhere in his house. He doesn't know where it is. He hasn't touched, he hasn't yeah. touched it in decades. But You know, and I said, I said to him, I said, okay, so we're going to say Shema now. You know the Shema? And he said, I don't know. I have to repeat after mm -hmm. you. And like it goes back to our conversation. Here's a Jew. He's a Jew, and uh, he came. He came over for a Purim Suda, you know, because it's Purim. And I was explaining to him that Purim is the holiest day of the year. And he said to me, well, "I thought Shabbos was the holiest day of the year." I said, 
I said Shabbos. Shabbos is the holiest day of the week, but Purim is the holiest day of the year, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's not it's not their fault. These are these are you know they're all b'shoigeg. They're all you know they they, they weren't raised with a, with a from upbringing. They don't know any better. If you have a neighbor that's Jewish and they're not religious, I'm not saying you go over there and you try to make them from, but but give them a taste at least. I have no I have no doubt at all that he's gonna want to partake in a in a perm suit next year probably. And you know what? Maybe maybe he'll put on tefillin again if uh, for some reason if you just got it you just got to try. What you, what you saw, what you experienced is um, I would estimate between uh, I, I would estimate about eighty five percent of American Jews. So you're talking about uh, uh, six million. Um, Six million Jews in America. So you're talking about probably uh, four and a half million really have um, no uh, no connection to, to any any Jewish ritual, uh, even the fundamentals like uh, like tefillin and Shabbos and Krishna. They just they just don't have it. It's just it's been it's just been so many years. If you ask him about his grandfather, his grandfather, his grandfather probably uh, lived in Europe and had a long beard and pay us. Uh, but you know, you're right. But it's not it's not their fault, uh, and and that's why they're. The, the the care of organizations have a great uh, even though they do great work they have a lot more to do a tremendous amount to yeah. do and you know there's a lot of care of organizations right here these people live in Cedarhurst they they have tremendous amount I know you know but they I guess you can fall through the cracks uh, uh, no matter no matter I where you so. are no matter what you do that's true so let's get to a couple of stories um, you know why not as yeah we, why not uh, why not we got time don't rush so sure, 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 so I I saw. Yeah, I saw a story uh, that happened the other day, uh, how passengers on a, I think it was a United Airlines flight, teamed up to take down somebody who was threatening the passengers and thre- threatening the flight attendants. Um, well, he wanted so to open the door. He pa- wanted to open the door on the flight. I know, but he he obviously was somebody who had lost his mind. Um, okay. That just just to paint the picture, this guy got up. He wanted to open the airline's emergency door. He tried to stab a flight attendant with a with a broken metal spoon. Um, he was getting louder. This is an eyewitness who said he, he thought it was just an argument, but he started yelling and screaming and threatening people, threatening to kill them. Yeah, he started yelling, and then, and then ultimately he he said, "You know what? I'm going to take over this plane." And he started he he started running towards a flight attendant, and you know to to like stab, and a few passengers just tackled this guy, took him they took him down to the floor. And they 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 restrained him. They said he was a strong guy. He, he was going crazy. They restrained him, and you know United Airlines reported that nobody ended up nobody was injured. Uh, a couple of a couple of the passengers really really helped save the day. They landed the flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, what can I say? This guy is probably not going to be flying anywhere too soon. You know, there's probably nothing more. Uh arbitrary or like you guys would say random than uh, who you end up flying with on a on a flight to going anywhere i mean yeah it, it, yeah you look around <laughs> of course there's always all hashkoch approaches obviously but at least on the surface you're never going to have a collection of people that have nothing to do with one another like you do on a flight sometimes uh i stand up on a flight and i look back if i'm sitting like in the first five or six or seven rows i look back and i say gee who are these people who are these people and yeah. we're all going to the same place and everybody has different lives uh, but once in a while you get a real nutcase like this who who pops up you know the guy had to come to the airport he had to go uh, present his ticket he had to go through security he had to be able to follow instructions and then he goes on the plane and just goes bonkers it's a it's a it's an amazing thing yeah it's it's absolutely wild and you know i thank god i've never been in a situation where i had somebody that crazy on a plane 
maybe some smaller situations, but it's it's definitely a frightening thing to to experience when you're thirty five thousand feet in the air. But you know, thankfully in this situation, everything was resolved, uh, and and was 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 fine. Uh, the other story that we have is obviously this is the, the first year yard site of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. It's been a year since we lost uh, the Gadol Adar. Uh, it's we, we, we it's an orphaned an orphan generation of of the Gedolim of of that of that era, and um, Rav Chaim's presence, his Torah learning is missed. Yeah, he uh, he was a fixture in that little corner uh, of B'nai Brak, and I can't remember, I don't know, a long time ago, that almost on every trip to Eretz Yisrael, almost every trip, not every trip, almost every trip to Eretz Yisrael, we somehow made it to uh, to, to B'nai Brak and had uh, at yeah. least a brief audience uh, uh, with Reb Chaim. I went with uh, some of the Bar Mitzvah boys and Bas Mitzvah girls uh, in the family uh, yeah. before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, so I gotta get back that on, get that back on track, uh, but um, it was a it was a it was a nice experience, and uh, you know just to just just to watch what was that? Just to watch him, uh, you know, uh, read your your notes, the kvittel that you uh, that you authored, you put everyone's name on uh, down on, and every once in a while he would stop on a name and ask a question about it. You know, it was very a very fascinating yeah. uh, experience, something to observe, something that we always uh, retain. What else you got? Yeah, the last time the last time I was by Rav Chaim, I went with my, at the time was a newly published Meaningful Minute book published by Arts Girl, and I and I went, you know, uh, Rabbi Lessman took me in, one of the neighbors of Rav Chaim. He took me in, and and we showed showed Rav Chaim the book, and I didn't expect much. Rav Chaim doesn't read English, right? right? The book the booklet is in English, mm-hmm. and he looked at it, and he and he looked at me, and he said, "You should be zaycha to write it in Hebrew." Mm-hmm. And All right, uh, so you have to now. Uh, you got a job. You got a job to do. Well, art school has a job to do. I know. Maybe maybe they should do it. I know, right? Well, anyway, I uh, tomorrow. Even though it feels like uh, yesterday, felt like Sunday most of the day, right? Did it feel like Sunday? Yeah. And today feels like Monday. It did. Today feels like Monday. But it's not. You know, I, I, it's a few yeah. times today. I said, "Oh my God, it's Monday!" And even when I got up this morning, I was like, like disoriented for like fifteen, twenty seconds. I had to figure out what, where am I up to this week? But it's Wednesday. We have a certain schedule. We have a newspaper that's going to uh, print tonight, and we'll be out tomorrow morning. We go back to a uh, regular schedule. One of the articles that I have in the paper, by the way, relevant to Purim and and Pesach. Is about. Uh, I spoke to two uh, people that uh, run Tomchei Shabbos, one here in the Five Towns in Farakway, uh, to Jeanette Lamb, and um, you know, as long as I was doing it, and I know we have such a wide distribution in uh, Florida, I was thinking to myself, there must be Tomchei Shabbos in Florida too, because I noticed Chaverim, I noticed Hatzala, they have to have Tomchei Shabbos. So I asked a friend of mine who lives uh, in uh, North Miami Beach, uh, what's the story with Tom Shabbos? And he put me in touch with uh, Benji Silverstein, who's in the food business down there, and they have, a, believe it or not, they have a very active Tom Shabbos. You know, you think of Florida as being like a different planet uh, with a different type of lifestyle. But he told me that uh, they send food uh, to about 120 families uh, every week. Uh, not just in my I'm not surprised by that. Not just in Miami, but in Hollywood and in uh, in North Miami, in Bal Harbor, um, and uh, uh, other areas. So he ha- he named altogether seven areas, which are, are in the article, which you could see online, or you could read in the paper tomorrow uh, when it comes out if you can get your get your hands on it. And um, here in the in the five towns, it's a remarkable thing. They uh, when I spoke to Jeanette on Sunday, they were preparing to send food uh, for a Purim soda. Uh, to people's house, and then tomorrow night and Thursday night, they're going to send uh, an additional few hundred families 
uh, food for food for Shabbos, and then they're preparing for Pesach. Yeah, they're preparing for Pesach. Speaking, speaking, yeah, speaking of food, if you ever if you're ever curious what goes on in the groceries on such a day like Purim, where there aren't a lot of people going to the grocery, so I had the opportunity to stop in the grocery the other day just to grab something quickly, and they are cleaning the shelves, they are getting the place completely turned over for Pesach. Uh, before you know it, you're, the, the, the chametz aisles are dwindling, and it's going to be in full-blown Pesach mode. Pesach is in 28 days, another I think. Another week. Another, so, another right. week, I think. And you're going to, another weekend, people will be Pesach shopping, and you're going to see the gluten-free cookies make their uh, debut. Right. Yeah. Ready or not, here we yeah, come. Debut. Pesach is... Those are good cookies. Don't I like about those cookies? I like the way they melt in your mouth. You don't have to do any work. You just pop yeah. a cookie in, um, and... Uh, it just uh, just melts away because it's not made out of what it's usually made out of. Anyway, what else you want to talk about today? That's pretty much it. You know, that's that's our that's our post Purim episode of the Daily Thread. We're we're glad to be back. We weren't with you on Monday, Tuesday of this short week, uh, but here we are this week. We have one more episode coming out tomorrow. Uh, hope to see you all tomorrow. Next time. Bye bye.